Let's Get Haunted with your hosts, Nat Strawn and Allie. Welcome back, guys, to episode 68, I think, Natalia. Is that what number we're on now? 68. And if you're wondering, wait, wasn't last week episode 69? That doesn't make sense. You're, that's actually really wrong, and it's super embarrassing for you, because if you didn't know, last week was 420, and we released episode 69 <laughs> on 420, which means we had to release episode 69 before episode 68. So um, <laughs> welcome to episode 68, guys. Hope you guys had it a great 420. Important. Yeah, it was We're very important. We're not sorry. If you're confused, that's your fault. That's not our fault. 69 always needs to come out on 420. We did it. You're welcome. Now we're on to episode 68, bigger and better things. Oh, such bigger and better things. In fact, today we have some very, very exciting news, guys. We pulled some major strings and got some major (laughs) celebs in here. Yes. Okay. That's right. Stop right now. Whatever you're doing, comment on whatever social media you are on. Doesn't even have to be ours. Who you think it is. (laughs) (laughs) go go to yahoo answers (laughs) go to yahoo answers before they shut it down and we want you to just type an answer to any question and just comment the celebrity that you think is on this episode hint there are two of them yes you may know them from their time at rooster teeth on shows like sugar pine seven fun house and inside gaming but nowadays you can find them streaming together on twitch.tv slash Bruce Green. It's newlyweds Autumn Farrell and Bruce Green. Woo! Oh my god. It's actually Autumn Green now. Now it is Autumn Green. That was my second thing I was going to say is what is your name now? Yeah, if you would hold your horses, <laughs> yeah. Bruce. That's okay. He's just know, really Bruce. excited to be married. <laughs> I am. I'm genuinely very excited. It's all right. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah, no, I've uh, I haven't officially changed my name yet because it's actually like a huge pain in the ass that I didn't uh, know that it was going to be as much work as it is. But I am That's what in I the heard. process of changing my name. Wow. Yeah, I thought for sure because like people get married all the time, so I was like, it must be really <laughs> simple and easy to change your name, and it's not. But we're getting they're there. gatekeeping the name sharing process. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's. Pretty rude, actually. The government's a, fen- a feminist. <laughs> that's what's that's what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, I, I don't know if you want to change your name or not. People kept asking me if they're like, "Well, is Autumn going to change her name? Are you going to make her change her name?" And I was like, "What do you mean, make her change her name?" Make her. <laughs> so like, she can do it if she wants, and if she doesn't want to, whatever. I don't care. It's See, true. that's the perfect so attitude to have. I think it's really yeah. alarming when a dude is like no my woman's gotta take my name because it's basically like you're saying she's my property and so i find it very refreshing bruce that you're just letting autumn do whatever she wants to do i was gonna just yeah. change my name to bruce farrell i was just you gonna should. do that you should and then autumn wow. green would just trade i, I'm yeah. okay with that. I think okay. that'd be cool right. make We're it more confusing ah fuck them yeah, oh, yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> That's my stance on that. Alyssa and I haven't seen either one of you guys since before the pandemic. So um, we don't really know much about what's been going on in your guys' life. I know Autumn got a new job through uh, the Instagram grapevine. If you want to talk on that, Um, if you guys want to talk about any other new stuff that's going on. And if you don't and you just are like, I don't want to, then that's fine. 
we don't have to do that either. We can switch on well, to the next topic. This is a very low stakes podcast. I know we signed up to do a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But like, we yeah. don't want to talk to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. So I have been working at, it's called 100 Thieves. It's um, an esports like thing officially, Ooh. but they also have a content team and I am the director of post-production there. So I basically just lead all the editors there and make sure everything's getting edited on time and hell you know, yeah I edit stuff as well wow. so yeah it's cool it's fun um and I officially get to be a hundred percent behind the camera so it's oh yeah a good fit for me <laughs> I feel you on that I'm with you on that a hundred percent that is why our podcast is audio only Very yeah <laughs> like let's be honest here sometimes yeah. you just don't want to show your face to the world <laughs> no some sometimes you're hunched over in your closet covered in ants recording on your microphone and your laptop this is a real what? thing that's Allie, happened to me on more than one okay? occasion no, <laughs> no. that's not a metaphor that's, that's not, a metaphor. not a metaphor <laughs> i have an ant problem up until last episode Alyssa was recording from in her closet on the ground but then <laughs> had to change because there was an ant infestation and the ants were going all over her. why were you on the ground because I, you know, it's a small closet. I thought that the echo was better in there. And Natalia hadn't given me this very beautiful microphone holder that you see before you right now. So it didn't really make a difference if I was hunched over in the closet or hunched over at this desk. I was still holding the microphone. But now I've graduated. <laughs> wow. Wow. You've come so far. That's great. Yes. You're not covered in ants. Awesome. No. Not yet. There's still time. <laughs> so on this podcast, we like to start off our intro with something we call personal hauntings, which is where Alyssa and I will like talk about whatever haunted stuff is going on in our right. personal lives. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. And something crazy happened to me this morning. I woke up this morning. I got this weird email. Like it was like my first email in my <laughs> folder. And I'm going to send you guys screenshots and I would like you guys to read this text aloud so autumn can read the first one and then bruce can read the second one or you guys can switch so it's from an email address that says norma stringer and the email address is norma relano 1988 at aol.com i looked it up it's like not a part of anything i don't know but it was addressed to me and it says like to natalia strawn and then it has a text file that's my name natalia strawn so, like, whoever sent this to me knows my name is Natalia Strawn. And it's not like a bot because they had to go in and make a text file that says Natalia Strawn. So, did you guys get it? Okay. Just, just got, got it. it. Just mm -hmm. got it. Oh, my gosh. What the fuck? <laughs> Autumn, you're up first. This is your time to shine. Hold on. How much do you want I us to read of this? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just soaking it in. Okay, I'll read the email. For a little while, I watch you through your web camera, and you don't stop to impress me. I fear to suggest, where do you get such a great affection for jacking off? What? <laughs> Your predilections are just awful, dot, dot, dot. To be honest, I see nothing wrong in wank off. It's not for me to censure you. <laughs> Another question is if your wanks was shot through your camera. <laughs> your wanks. <laughs> this changes everything. My claims are in the file. <laughs> this is very mysterious. <laughs> no. He sounds non-judgmental too, which I appreciate. <laughs> it, it kind of, it's whatever you want to do. You can do whatever you want. So there's a text file that was attached. And when I opened it, this is what it said. Bruce, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So 
The text file says, I have shot your jacking off through the webcam of your device, and now I own a very entertaining clip you are in. Using Ooh. remote access, I have copied contacts from your mail and your social networks. Now you realize why I'm telling all this? I'm going to share it with your loved ones and upload it on the net. <laughs> the oh, net. No. The net. Uh, <laughs> you make payment to me. And then, and then a bunch of wacky characters, <laughs> I'll delete all blackmail material on you and leave you alone, saving your reputation in the eyes of humans. <laughs> is, this, is this an alien? Uh, and then he provides a Bitcoin address and it says, send 1449 USD. Uh, there are 48 hours to give money to me from the time of reading this message. I will be notified when you open it. If you ignore my demand within 96 hours, the videotape where you masturbation is going to become the world heritage on the net. <laughs> <laughs> world heritage I love that um, the choice is yours whether your prestige matters and finish visiting unsavory websites as your device may be infected even if you have installed anti-malware that's really helpful don't attempt to reach me that is really nice uh, don't attempt to reach me after sending this letter I'll delete this email in order to erase clues whoa, whoa. that's so very I, high I got tech. that this morning like very early when I woke up and I was like, dude, it's like 730 in the morning. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, can't, I can't deal with this. I don't know. So I, I Googled all that stuff. I couldn't find any information about it. But then I like copied the body of the text and Googled that. And apparently it's like a very normal sextortion scheme that started mm -hmm. in 2020. So I don't know if you guys have gotten anything like that well, before. But I think my main question, Natalia, is were you jacking off at 9 p.m. last night? <laughs> you mean, where, where, was I, where did I store my wanks? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And are you prepared for it to turn into a UNESCO World Heritage Site? Because I believe that's what they're saying. <laughs> so, see, that sounds really cool, in my opinion. The fact that this person thinks that my wanks are worth being a World Heritage. Yeah. Is, yeah. 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 I feel That's like empowered. Really a compliment. They were just like, by the way, don't go to porn sites because you're gonna get malware on your computer. Thanks, man. As well, yeah. appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's my personal haunting for this episode. That is very Does anyone haunted. else have something they want to share? So I, I've got one. So um, actually, uh, around 7 a.m. this morning, I put together an email uh, that I sent out to this girl, and. Um, <laughs> And I was, and I was weird because I, I have footage of her masturbating, <laughs> and I thought maybe she would want, she'd send me some Bitcoin oh. if I, you know. <laughs> Hold on a minute. I have a, I have a lot of questions. Did First you now, Bruce? I have a question for you. Did you catch her uh -huh. masturbating, or did you find a videotape where she masturbation? Because I believe that was the exact wording you used. Well, Allie, the, uh, I actually caught her wanks, so I, I want to make sure <laughs> yeah. that you know that I, I caught her wanks. That's important, and it's will like, be part of the world heritage. Yeah, no clarification needed on no, that. No, 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 no. Yeah. If you know, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we've just solved a case, and now that's the end of episode 68. This entire episode was just to solve the mystery of the wanking jack-off uh, sextortion man. And we did it. We did it. We did it. Awesome. Love that. You know, changing the mood now. Do you, what are your guys' like paranormal beliefs? We always ask our guests on here uh, if you guys are like into the supernatural or the paranormal. Do you dabble? You know, do you watch true crime? Like, where where do you fall on the spectrum of believing or entertaining? And you know, 
I don't even want to say not believing. That's not an option. Just where do you fall on the spectrum <laughs> minus the uh, choice to say not believing? Well, I, you guys are in luck because I'm very much into this shit. And I always have I been. Like, that. I grew up in a very superstitious family. <laughs> Everyone always talks about, like, all the ghosts that haunt, like, all of my family. And we all always Perfect. have, like, ghost and demon dreams. And we're all, like, Ooh. half clairvoyant. And I always, I do, like, a bunch of meditating stuff and like you know ritual stuff so i'm very much into this this shit for sure i don't know love about that <laughs> what Bruce, yeah what i'm into it thoughts? too yeah no I'm, I'm totally into it i uh i'm into a, a more the like so i came from probably the more traditional like christian baptist side and love that, that they they talk all about the like battle of good and evil that's mm-hmm. happening like that you can't see and like there's demons and angels and all so i totally believe in all that shit like i'm I'm absolutely in it. Yeah, and, uh, love that. Plus, you yeah. love aliens. I, well, aliens are different. <laughs> aliens aren't necessarily a haunting. Are they it's paranormal? A I we would consider it a haunting. Aliens as a haunting. Yes. What? Wait yes, a minute. Hold on a second. <laughs> aliens are science based. Well, right? well, okay. I, I would agree. I would agree. They're science based, <laughs> so proving that hauntings. <laughs> are scientific we've had you guys may not know this but although we are a bootleg podcast we have had we have (laughs) tricked some people into coming on this show that were well outside of our league for example we Mm. had a former cia scientist come on this show and talk about some experiments some declassified experiments that he was a part of in the cia and one of those was uh telekinesis the cia was doing all of these different experiments with telekinesis and he was part of those experiments and he said that his time witnessing what he saw made him believe that telekinesis is possible clairvoyance is possible there are people who can do these things and he said the comforting thing to him was knowing that they can't be harnessed for war because that's what the russians and the americans were trying to do they both had separate labs going at the same time to see if they can use the powers of clairvoyance to use their psychic eye to like find out secrets or secret documents or confidential information. And he said that basically you, you can't, there's no way to like control how it's, how it's used. It's just that somebody who has Hmm. this power can see things and we can't explain why. And then another thing that he talked about was that um, in his field of study, uh, they're currently looking at mind-matter interaction, which is this theory that people can control things, control machinery with their minds, and they know that it's possible, but they can't explain it. And so ever since that episode, I just automatically think everything is real, everything is scientific. If that shit is <laughs> yeah. scientific, then certainly ghosts and aliens also are. The craziest part about that, the uh, Mind Matter episode, is that one of the experiments, they would take someone who like was a psychic, a medium, and they would have them read a document that was locked inside a safe at an undisclosed location. And they would just tell them, there's a document, it's locked somewhere in a safe at an undisclosed location. I know where that location is. You don't. I know the code. You don't what does that document say on it? And the person would be, and they would circle, um, they circled a word on the document and the person would read the document word for word and tell them what words they circled. And this was like confirmed by the CIA. These are like declassified documents So what documents happened to these now. people? What happened to these people that can do these things? Why are they not superheroes? 
What's well, going on? Basically, he said that because they couldn't be harnessed for war, the government was no longer interested. So they stopped, even though it was real, they stopped Where did all they of their go? experiments. Where did those people go? They're still around. You get I don't know. And, you know. I want to I want to meet them. I want to meet them cuz yeah. I think I can learn it. Autumn, you said it. you have some clairvoyance in your family. Yeah, we all like have uh dreams that, you know, like sometimes will come real in certain like specific ways. So a lot of us have wow. I, there's what is a word there's a word for that. I can't ESP? What it's called. I'm ESP? No, they're like a specific kind of dream. Um, but oh, yeah, a like a lucid yeah. dream, yeah, like a premonition. Yeah. Oh, a and that too. A lot of us have sleep paralysis and like lucid dream Ooh. stuff, which Ooh. is all pretty heavily connected with like being really connected to the spirit world. But yes. I was just saying like my mom, <laughs> my mom just had a psychic, like do this whole reading on her, on our family. And it was fucking freaky. And I know that you can be like, well, maybe they saw your social media they Googled, or whatever. They Googled you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I like to believe that this lady <laughs> was just super psychic and like she knew a bunch of weird shit. And it's just so these people are around, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Here, here's the deal. I think if those people are because I believe you, by the way, I, I believe in all this shit. Like I believe in telekinesis and all that other stuff. I believe there are people that can do this, do these things. But I don't know that they're necessarily for hire. Like, they're, mm. like, I think they're, I think they're just like out there and they don't want to use their abilities because they're afraid or whatever. I want to meet right. up with them and learn how, because I have heard that there are ways that you can learn these skills. And I want to, I want to mm. know how to, cause I mean, I'm the same as Autumn. There have been times in my life where I've a hundred percent had premonitions that, that right. like something happened. And then like I had mm. a dream or whatever. And I would, and then a few days later that thing would happen. And I'd be like a hundred percent. I remember that. So I believe in all that shit. I just I gotta find these people and learn these skills. Yeah, you gotta learn your skills. Know. Luckily, a lot of these people, as we found on this podcast, do exist, and they're on Reddit and Discord. Oh, give me and a break! Reddit. Yeah, they they are actually, and they're on Wikipedia, and they're just all over the internet sharing what they know, and we're so grateful for all of these beautiful sources that we're able to use. On our podcast. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Oh my and gosh. our beef with Wikipedia recently ended. If you guys didn't know, we had an imaginary yes. beef. It was it it was oh. very one-sided. Basically, Wikipedia <laughs> just didn't give a fuck about us, obviously. And so anytime someone <laughs> would write an article about us, it would just automatically get like trashed removed but for <laughs> some yeah. reason even though they used us as a source yes they used us as a source for other articles they would say like let's get haunted podcast you know with a little number whatever mm. they, we're a source but then they wouldn't let us have our own page until one of our listeners literally made like the most fucking professional badass wikipedia ever so Thank you. And again. it got accepted. It still is up yeah. two weeks after the fact. So I assume <laughs> Wikipedia has either not caught on that we are now <laughs> notable enough to have a page or maybe they agree, which would be the most haunted thing of all. <laughs> that is quite haunted. I don't think they know about it. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, they absolutely don't know about it. But okay, so Bruce and Autumn, so you guys both believe in telekinesis and clairvoyance and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um it sounds like Bruce, you believe in aliens. Autumn, what do you what are your thoughts on aliens? I definitely also believe in aliens. Like the universe is way too big for there not to be shit out there, you know. Yeah. Why don't we just do rapid fire? Alyssa and I will just say stuff and you guys say yes or no. Okay. Okay. Okay, vampires. Mm, yeah. You do? 
Yeah, I could see vampires being a thing. All right, I, no. <laughs> No. Werewolves. I mean, fuck it. I said I mean, yes you to vampires. vampires you're going werewolf, <laughs> no. I gotta say yes to werewolves. No. Too. Haunted treasure. Yes, definitely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, undead pirates. Uh, I don't know about. I mean, if we're going to the spirit <laughs> realm, yeah. I'm well, saying yes. Are they like zombie pirates or are they like ghost pirates? Oh, good <laughs> distinction. We'll split it. We'll split it in two. Zombies. I don't know about zombies. Yeah, no. no. Uh, ghosts. Ghosts for sure. Yes, yes. Yeah. An old woman who whispers in your ear at night. This is Natalia's favorite haunting. Sometimes people will report. Well, actually, if you guys have had sleep paralysis before, you know that one of the most common figures that people yep. report seeing is an old woman the old standing hag. over yeah. them. So what do yeah. you guys think about old women whispering in your ears? We ask everybody. Fuck yeah, yeah it's a ghost. That, that old yeah. lady is real and she's horrible. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think she's real. I think she's probably a spirit of some sort. Like that's that's usually what it is to me. Well, that's the scariest thing about sleep paralysis is like the because you hear people like talking to you and you hear shit, which is terrifying because it yeah. already looks and feels real. But you can kind of talk yourself out of it. But if you're having a sleep paralysis where people are also whispering in your ear, you're like, well. I can't talk myself out of this. It's too frightening. Yeah. Right, right. What about Bigfoot? Yes. Yeah. Cryptids, like skinwalkers. Cryptids. Yeti. Wait, what, is, what are skinwalkers? 100%. Skinwalkers are like the the Native American people thought that like they roamed the desert and they're like. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those are super creepy. What about like mermaids and stuff like that? Mythical folkloric creatures. Hmm. I don't know. I want to believe, but I don't know if I do. I think I'm, that's where I'm at on that I'm going to say yes, only because the ocean is so big. The ocean yeah. is love that. We haven't been to the bottom of all the trenches. They could be down there. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it sounds like you guys are pretty open-minded, which is which is great. You passed our test. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. So, which is good Thank because um, for this episode that I'm going to tell you guys today, it requires you to be pretty open-minded really and wow so you do a you do a podcast every week and this yep. episode in particular requires us to be open-minded. <laughs> i'm gonna be pretty honest with you guys i was gonna pick out like a nice like you know uh like pg just simple tasteful episode on like alcatraz for you guys and i even told Alyssa, i was like you know I don't want to put our guests through like what I subject you to and you subject <laughs> me to, which is like spontaneous human combustion and cannibalism. That sounds and, like, awesome, though. Just fucked up stuff. But yeah. I couldn't I just couldn't help myself. And <laughs> I like got I just went down the rabbit hole on this thing. So you guys are coming along with me. Um, I'm excited. So I'm going to say I'm I'm sorry, but I'm also not sorry. You're welcome. Hey, thank you, Natalia. More than down. We are in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. All right. So, guys, here on Let's Get Haunted, we rarely give the people what they want, but the past two episodes (laughs) I've done have been sourced directly from listener requests, including today's episode, which I got from the Let's Get Haunted Discord, which, by the way, we talk about this all the time. There are feral people in the Let's Get Haunted Discord. They're out of control. I don't, I can't control them and I don't try to. Uh, So if you want to join that, join at your own risk. But speaking of feral people, does anyone have any idea what I'm going to talk about today? I'll give you a hint. It has something to do with feral people and national parks. Wow, werewolf. That's a good guess. Autumn, what do you think? So that's that's Bruce's guess, Autumn. 
well, it's probably not reptilians, but I always want it to be about reptilians. So. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be my Alyssa, guess. you want to give it a try? Okay. I think I've seen this TikTok that you're about to show uh. us right now <laughs> uh, because it went viral a couple of, I want to say like maybe a month ago. And it was about feral people that live in national parks and like the U.S. government is aware of this. Right. So basically what happened was this video went viral on TikTok, which I just sent you guys in the group chat. Um, you can go ahead and open it. And for everyone who's listening, it's uh, the original video. It's this girl with this username at the present believer. And she has text across her video, which reads, when you remember the night you heard a family screaming for their lives from the mountaintops of an 800,000 acre national park. And two days later, when you asked if everyone was okay, None of the park rangers knew what you were talking about, even though you called the police and they told you the park would handle it. So hold on. You, you, the video you sent may have been deleted. Yeah. yeah let, me send, let me send it to you guys. It was just. Uh, oh. 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 They got it taken. The video isn't available. They got it uh, taken down. Which is bad really haunted. You, yeah. You oh guys my gosh, got it this, taken down. This that's plot great. thickens. That's this good plot news. thickens. Okay. So yeah. that's great that they took it down because that means that this conspiracy is more high profile than I thought it was. So I'll just that's explain right. what happened. That's so crazy because literally like five hours ago, it was up. But so this other user, her name is at coincidence theorist. She stitched the video and she said, hey, girl, like I've been really careful about, you know, uh, responding to this. I re-recorded this TikTok response to you like a hundred times because I just really wanted to be clear. Like what you heard was a family getting like killed in the national park and There are so many cases of people getting abducted by feral people and all of the locals know about this, especially in Appalachia, I guess, like Tennessee area. And they go after like young children and it's kind of like well known in the park, like all the park rangers know that it's happening, but they don't publicize it because they don't want to lose money. Like that's the only way that that area has any income coming in is from these national parks. And So Mm -hmm. then that sparked this like crazy viral sort of discussion that's been going on for the past month or so in paranormal circles and on TikTok. People are are, like trading back and forth information, talking about how, oh, well, my grandfather told me this about uh, some people (laughs) in the forest. And apparently (laughs) it's like this best kept secret. And so uh, obviously, I mean, that's like a really bold claim for someone to say that like there's feral people in national parks that are cannibalistic. (laughs) So I think, yeah, they're killing. Are they killing people and eating them? Why doesn't the government just kill them? I'm glad you asked because (laughs) they've been trying to control the problem, according to this conspiracy. Uh But they're un- they they are unable to get the problem under control because the national parks are just so huge. It's like impossible to monitor all of that. And there is are some instances which I'm going to tell you guys about later today, where the government has even sent in like the army and things like that under the guise of like searching for missing people. But people think that what they were really doing was like trying to eliminate these feral people that live in the national parks. So, I. Took this bait because that's what we do on this podcast. When we hear a claim, yes. we're like, okay, mm-hmm. 
I will go to the ends of the earth with you, random user who's ever <laughs> proposing this. <laughs> and so I took the bait. I went down the rabbit hole. And the first place that I went for more leads was Reddit because that's the best place to find people arguing about stupid shit, honestly. So <laughs> I found this thread, which was hot, and it's still active today. People are still posting on it. If anyone wants to go um, at it or check it out. And it's a Reddit thread in r slash national parks that was started two months ago. And I turned the entire Reddit thread or took the best parts of it and turned it into a play <laughs> for us to read. So Ooh. I Ooh. emailed you guys the file to that. I see it. Yeah, I, yes. I see it. Yeah. Okay. The OP for this thread is named Shop Ready. And the title of the post reads... Cannibals in national parks? Question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, a bunch of times. And then the body of the text says, Tonight while scrolling through TikTok, I came across a series of videos where a girl was talking about a recent trip to an unknown national park and said that she and her husband heard people screaming for help and that someone was killing them. They called the police and followed up the next morning to find out nothing had been done. Another girl stitched her video to say that she lives in the Smokies and it's well known to locals that there are cannibals that live in the forest and they snatch up children and sometimes whole families. I'm just wondering if anyone has any similar experiences or stories like what the hell did I just watch? Now, I'm happy to report back to you guys that the replies on this thread were obviously amazing. And so we're going to read those now. Autumn, Alyssa, and Bruce's parts are like an amalgamation of just a bunch of different users commenting stuff. But the one that I'm going to read is this person <laughs> named Simply IR, who for some reason is like so trying to get the truth out here. Good. Someone has to. This thread. Let's do it. The truth is out there. Yeah, is doing the Lord's work, I want to say. Can I just chime in really yes. quick and say yeah. that Bruce is laughing at this, but this sounds completely believable to yes. me. Yes. Like, what? 100% realistic. Well, hold on. I'm not going to poke any holes in this until we're, <laughs> until we're at, at the end of it, but I got so many questions. Man, oh, man. They're going to be answered, and a lot of them, you're going to not only are you going to have questions answered. <laughs> I don't know that they are. By the end of this thread, you're going to have more questions than you started with because this thread. Okay. All right. it, yeah, so it's going to buckle the fuck up, guys. So, simply IR response. I have multiple family members and other sources that have discussed the very long-term existence of truly feral and cannibalistic people living in those mountains that have been kidnapping and eating people for decades. For those not around here, this is deep in Appalachia, and it's a crazy dense forest, and you could easily hide there. Basically, everyone in Pigeon Forge, which is the town outside the National Park, knows about this but doesn't talk about that because tourism is worth over one billion dollars a year and there's nothing like it out there so i'm from knoxville tennessee one of the closest major cities to the park my sister is an avid hiker and has hiked the chimneys multiple times she swears that she heard a quote gut-wrenching scream for their lives of an alleged group of voices she got to the top of the mountain and told a park ranger about it the park ranger admitted to my sister that there are literally feral people that live in the park and kidnap and eat people sometimes. They said people have been going missing there or have been reported having survived been attacked by naked groups of men for decades. 
Oh, that is my nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like my fantasy. Naked men. Apparently, the police and government has known about this, and historically, there have been attempts to deal with it. Today, however, it's not talked about at all, really. Probably because nowadays, the park in the Pigeon Forge area tourism money is over a billion dollars a year in an area with, like, no other industries going on. So having tons of news articles about cannibals would cause tons of people to suffer economically. Apparently, now they just hope for the people to mind their own business. Same person said they have lived around there for their whole life, and their grandfather supposedly was literally bountied back in the 1950s to hunt and kill these feral people. Apparently, the parks were becoming so popular, so people started noticing missing persons. Apparently, they killed some of them and found some camps. <laughs> she with says the- apparently <laughs> at the beginning of every sentence. Well, she's trying. She's trying to to be open minded here. Yeah, she's saying. She's saying. Look, if I'm wrong. That's not my fault because I have heard many, many accounts. Of course, right. Right. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Apparently, they killed some of them and then found some camps with human remains and a fire. I've tried to find sources for this because it sounds so outrageous, but I failed. Not surprised, though. This region back then and still today is one of the poorest places in the country and, like, barely had roads or power back then. But they said that their grandfather felt guilty now. But back then, the community didn't even see these people as humans, especially in the context of American racism, where lots of people were seen as inferior. It's a crazy, horrible story, and I cannot find sources for this one, so take it with a grain of salt. But I am positive someone told my mom and my sister this after their hike of the chimneys. I think it was the same person, but maybe someone else got on top of the mountain, also told her about a girl who was chased by multiple naked men. She thought she was being followed for a really long time and then eventually saw them. So she sprinted away and hid under something like a bush or a ditch. And she waited for multiple days while she could hear two men looking for her the entire time, speaking in an unrecognizable language. She got away, thankfully. My sister and father were hiking that same mountain and could hear people following them for a long time, but thankfully never saw anyone. Also, because of the terrain, this has been a region for criminals to hide from the state in. There are so many caves and trees and mountains with no roads anywhere nearby that it's easy for people to run here and hide. So maybe not everyone is seeing cannibals. Perhaps some are just crazy criminals who have been alone for a long time and kidnap people and rob them. I posted this because the info came from an active park ranger who had lived there for 30 years. And that person swore that they literally hunt these people. Are you from around here? Here, there are literally thousands and thousands of unmarked caves, and it's one of the least road accessible parts of the country. Least amount of power and internet. The most poverty. People could totally live there permanently, and no one would know. It wouldn't be the first time civilization grows around a group of secluded people and no one knew. Literally, thousands of acres, some of which is literally considered a rainforest, and all of it has nearly 100% tree cover with the actual oldest mountains on earth, all limestone, ton of streams, guaranteed unlimited caves. Okay, dude, please don't be fucking with us. This shit is something I'd literally be willing to document. (laughs) If by document you mean find these people, don't do that. I mean, I'm definitely not positive and the sources could be better, but my sister was told this by a park ranger at the chimneys. That much is definitely true. Maybe he was just messing with her. Definitely not going to do that without some sort of elite squad of (laughs) seals or something. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking awesome, dude. 
Haha, but new <laughs> but new drone tech and satellite imagery could be used in ways we couldn't before. Mainly I'd like to find any records, if possible, of these huge historical bounty hunts in the Smokies. I figured something like that must have happened at some point, and then someone here said their grandparents recalled something like that. Sorry, can't remember who at the moment. But this would all definitely tarnish the history of the area and the country even more if it all turned out to be true. So why wouldn't the government do their damnest to hide it? If you can finance the trip, I will dead ass come with you, <laughs> strapped with my big ass Canic TP9 SFX 9mm in case something goes south. I live in Memphis. My Facebook is Lax the Barsmith, and my YT is the same with no spaces. I'm dead ass serious about this. <laughs> Anything came within 50 yards of us trying to be violent and eat us would be swiftly dealt with if we had no other options. Coyote screams are borderline terrifying as well and sound pretty human. I was in California years ago and woke up to blood curdling screams one night. Thought someone was being murdered. Turns out there were just several coyotes right below my window. Mm. I posted this because the info came from an active park ranger who had lived there for 30 <laughs> years. That person swore that they literally used to hunt these people. Are you from around there? There are literally thousands and thousands of unmarked caves, and it's one of the least it's road the accessible thing. parts of the country. <laughs> least amount of power and internet. The most poverty. People could totally <laughs> oh live God. there permanently. No one would know. It wouldn't be the first time a civilization uh -huh. grows around That's a right. group of secluded people and no one knew. Literally thousands of uh -huh. acres, some of which is literally considered a rainforest, and all of it has near 100% tree cover with the actual oldest mountains on earth all limestone t tons of streams guarantees unlimited caves copy and paste all right lol i live here i hike these mountains daily you're full of shit okay lol you're just an asshole i never said you have a high chance of running into someone like that i told an anecdotal story from a park ranger you don't have to believe him even people heard the screams that day and they did a dispatch from the police that day to try to find out what happened. You will hike the parks daily. There's a difference, dumbass. There are well over 100 million acres of land inaccessible to people. I also want to add, since you're such a dick, that there's quite literally no possible way that you're hiking these mountains daily. You have a couple of spots or parks that you like that are made for hiking and have roads. There are still literally hundreds and hundreds, more like tens of thousands of square miles of forest and caves that literally no one ever goes to ever and you can't even if you tried without weeks of hiking or a helicopter i'm glad that on your extremely limited time on the mountains even if it is every single day for your whole life that you didn't see these people just like the most of us but you still haven't even begun to actually scratch the surface of the total amount of land throughout all of appalachia that does not have trail or roads i honestly don't care if you haven't seen a person like this, lol. It's completely impossible that you've seen even 1% of the total actual land. I hike too, bro. And the trails compared to the total amount of land is nothing. You would have to do nothing but hike for your whole life off trail to confidently say that there are none of these people. And then you definitely couldn't considering the thousands of caves. And I can't stress the basically <laughs> unlimited supplies of caves with fresh water that never changed temperature because they're caves and thus are basically a house and super easy to survive in <laughs> for some reason i doubt your ability to not only hike 250 million acres of forest but also sufficiently explore thousands of caves that aren't within 50 miles of a road and are likely unmapped you realize they span almost the entire continent right i would take anything on tiktok with a grain of salt 
LOL, it's the digital age. If there were actually cannibals snatching children and whole families from a national park, there would at least be one bad Google review about it. Winky face. Sounds like something a cannibal would say. I want you to say, LOL, it's the digital age while you're standing 50 miles from a cell tower in the depths of the forest with literally no internet. (laughs) This place has basically the lowest level of internet penetration in the country. You're vastly overestimating the average family's wealth in Appalachia and how industrialized it is. There are tens of thousands of people who live throughout that mountain range and probably still don't have a computer or a cell phone or service to access the internet through either. It's not just one national park, lol. It's 250 million acres of forest (laughs) and rainforest. It went up again. It went up again. (laughs) Also present in the East Tennessee section alone is 10,000 caves. That makes up dozens (laughs) of parks. And more importantly, like 100 million acres of non-park land. And it's just unused federal land. No evidence for this. And it's me just being a pessimist. But tourism is literally the only source of money from this region because of the parks. There's essentially no other source of outside money flowing in. That money also totals $1 billion and actually makes up one of the most important parts of the Tennessee government's income from taxes. If I was a sheriff or a mayor and I heard one or two cases of cannibalism, I sure as hell would never talk about it because it's totally possible that the confirmed presence of these people could literally collapse the entire economy of a whole region if people choose to stop coming. I lived on Ski Mountain Road in Gatlinburg, Tennessee for quite a while, right across the road from a service road entrance to the Smoky Mountain National Park. There are absolutely people that live in the woods of many different origins. A few things the locals know. Don't camp in the woods unless you are homeless. Burn incense or herb packs to keep bears and what we call, quote, the hungry people away. (laughs) And don't, for the love of all you hold dear, approach crazy-looking people in the woods. Many of those who end up in the woods are homeless and have gone there to try to get money together to leave or to find a place. Many of them leave town as fast as possible. I've heard stories about the hungry ones. One particular scary one about a very creepy and almost inhuman fellow coming into a camp and grabbing and devouring an entire roll of raw hamburger as he seemed to realize the people in the camp would outstrength and outnumber him. There were two smallish women doing the preparation for the food by a big rock, and when the guy started to approach them, about ten more people came when the ladies started to scream. After the shock wore off, one of the guys fired a warning shot and would always say that he ran away, quote, with the fear of an animal at the sound of that shot. (laughs) I don't know about if the cannibals are real or not, but anyone who lives in that area for a while tends to hear these stories. Another thing I remember about what they called the hungry ones, they weren't naked, but their clothes were so ill-fitting, tattered, and dirty that they seemed more like mutated skin than clothes. This is what a coworker of mine said about a family they had come across in a remote area on the little islands that happen where the water is low. They said they couldn't tell if the two children were boys or girls and that their faces looked like the photos of people who worked in the coal mines. I have stupidly explored caves on the Gatlinburg and Dandridge areas, and while you find the usual beer cans and party supplies, you will also find crude tools, weird animal hides. We even found a bone necklace once. Don't let the television show depicting these types of things convince you that it is so improbable. There are, quote-unquote, feral communities all across the country in the mountains. I imagine that while not all of them are scary people, there are definitely some scary ones. 
I have seen a few things in my treks as well, but never anything completely definitive or concrete. Mostly just shadows following me and a figure out of the corner of my eye uh, or off in the distance. Not sure about everywhere, but I'd trust the old people around the area. My grandpa's from the area and confirms feral people and communities exist along the trail and compared it to the North Sentinel Island tribes. He says that they have their own broken English and will hunt people they think they can overpower. This is true. Also from near here. Look up, quote, the soft white underbelly. It shows no wild. It shows no wild men, but shows the results of generations of incest. Some of the people who do seem nice can't even speak. It's just grunting and pointing and it's deep in Appalachia. I honestly can't say these people 100% know right from wrong. And I wonder what they would be like without a house. Uh, the YouTube link. This is the video I'm speaking of, but the channel has many videos. People like this still exist. There are people like that who still exist in the region and they do prey on children and women because they're weak. They look at them like they do small animals they kill to eat and survive. There are no, no sources, but look up the case of Dennis Martin. <laughs> Okay, okay can I say something about this, though? Yes. Because I subscribe to that YouTube channel, and that's exactly what I was going to say when Bruce was laughing. I was going to be like, well, have you ever seen Soft White Underbelly? Right. It's this guy that has a YouTube channel, and he goes all over the country interviewing people that society has largely ignored. And some yeah, of the interviews are really beautiful and really heartbreaking. Yeah. And other, I watched a whole series on Appalachian incestuous families, and it was very sad and also really like i didn't think that like it still happened to that degree like people mm -hmm. that can't speak and they can't like they have a lot of different deformities and issues mm -hmm. and they're just wandering in the appalachian forest so that yeah. youtube link we're gonna watch it i want to give you guys a trigger warning but click that link so this soft white underbelly video it portrays the family called the Whitakers, and they are, this is not my words, quote, an inbred family from odd West Virginia. The individuals in this video are brothers and sisters, except for Timmy, who is a nephew. And uh, for listeners, you can go to that YouTube channel, Soft White Underbelly, and you can help this family with donations if you watch the video. So the guy who's like documenting these, he's not taking advantage of these people. He's just showing what exists yeah. out there um so we're gonna click that link that's uh <laughs> that was at the bottom of this thread and you can just kind of like mm -hmm. scroll around but it's yeah it's pretty shocking let me know let me know your thoughts okay i am opening the youtube video so i've, I've actually seen this video you have seen this video um i have seen this video yeah and uh it is it's, it's very heart-wrenching and uh it's very sad but also, they're living in a house. Right. So, But this person was like, saying, what if they didn't have a house? You know? Like, there are people... And, but, but also, then, it had superhuman strength and, <laughs> and stuff like that. There, well, well okay, this person you, was... So, like, imagine that it's these people who have been surviving and living out literally in the middle of fucking nowhere uh -huh. for God knows how long. They're probably going to be able to overpower you. Because you're just some fucking asshole who's going camping. You're not expecting yeah. to get attacked I mean, by a bunch of dudes. I, okay, I, you could say that, but also that that's not what that video depicts. The video depicts exactly the opposite. A bunch of people that are extremely weak and have like lots of problems and lots of physical deformities and things like that. So unless we're breeding super soldiers in the forest, 
Bruce, you do bring <laughs> up a really know. good point. So uh, as yeah. we're going to we're going to get into one of these instances where these feral people supposedly took someone and the what they do is they prey on the weak. If we if we go with this conspiracy theory. So like the children and specifically, have you guys heard of this case of Dennis Martin? Oh, no, that was that mm-hmm. was the thing we read. I've never heard of it. No, I have. You have, Alyssa? Yeah. So, Alyssa, go ahead and give us, like, a, a short blurb about Dennis Martin, and I'll, I'll give you guys, um, I'll give you points if you did a good job. How about that? <laughs> okay. I, I heard about it because, and maybe, Autumn and Bruce, you may have heard of this part of the story. Uh, there's a guy called David Politis, and he has this series called Missing 411, where he looks mm-hmm. into missing uh, people or people that have gone missing specifically in national parks. And so he'll cover some of those cases. And one of those cases was the case of Dennis Martin. And so what I know about it is that Dennis Martin was this very small little boy. He and his family are camping in a national park. And while they're there, they come across another family that's also camping in this national park. And they also have little kids. So Dennis Martin ends up playing hide and seek with these kids. Something happens. And they can't find him anymore. And I assume, Natalia, you're going to tell us all the details about that. So I won't get super deep into it. So there's uh, just sent you guys a photo of Dennis Martin. He is six years old in June of 1969. And he's like a, a little tiny boy. So he would be very easy for one of these feral groups of people, let's say, to overpower. He, on this day in 1969... It was actually June 14th, which is my birthday, which sucks because now I'm never going to forget that. Um, He was with his brother and his mom and his dad, and they're hiking for Father's Day along this Spence Field Bald Meadow. And I'm sending you guys a photo of this meadow as well. And it's kind of an area that's um, there's a trail that goes along it. And then there's like a meadow that opens up with like wildflowers and natural grasses. And it's a good place for people to stop and like have a picnic or rest. So his family is resting and he's with his uh, brother, his mom and his dad. And another family with two boys comes up to the Martin family and they introduce themselves. And guess what? Their last name is actually also Martin. Weird, huh? And so they ask if their boys can play with Dennis and his brother. And the family's like, yeah, totally. All the boys are playing around, running around in the meadow, having a good time. And then they start to play hide and seek. And they're playing hide and seek. And like you I, like you could see in the photo in this meadow, there's not really much places to hide playing hide and seek. So they're just like sort of going to the edge and hiding in the bushes and whatever. Go ahead and describe what Dennis looks like and then the meadow. Uh, so Dennis is a really small young boy. Like he definitely looks like he's six, seven, you know, maybe even five. He's really skinny and tiny. Yeah. Um, just a quintessential young little little boy. He looks like me when I was a little boy. Yeah. Um, and then so uh, and then the meadow is basically just <clears throat> like a pretty a pretty clear copse of a few trees surrounding like a you know, a vast open like football field full of grass. So it's it's not it isn't like a thick trees or, or a dense forest or anything like that. There's just like a couple of trees on the edge of a, a big wide meadow. Yeah, right. It would be very easy for both of the parents of these families to watch yeah. their children yeah. play mm-hmm. along the edge of this meadow. 
So they're playing hide and seek and the all the boys are hiding and they one by one come out of their hiding places like you do at the end of uh, hide and seek. And Dennis goes, uh, he, he doesn't come out from behind the bush that he was hiding. And his father has just been watching the whole thing. So he sees all the other boys emerge from behind their hiding spots. But Dennis didn't come out from behind his hiding spot. So the father like kind of walks over there thinking maybe he's playing a trick. Maybe he doesn't know the game is over or whatever. So he goes and he looks behind the bush that he just saw his son go hide behind. But there's no Dennis. So the father starts searching around the whole area thinking, oh, well, maybe he hid somewhere else to try to make it a little bit more challenging to find him. And he can't find Dennis anywhere. He's calling out to him. He's not hearing anything back. So now the father knows that something is wrong. So the father hikes out to the ranger station and he gets there at 9 p.m. But by then, by the time he tells the ranger, I'm missing my son, this massive storm starts and rain is just drenching the mountains. There's massive rainfall and the temperatures go into the 50s overnight. So over the next few weeks, they still can't find Dennis and this massive search party happens like all these volunteers come through and they start looking for Dennis but because it's been raining so much they're not finding many clues and they had like Boy Scouts National Guard members even the army like Green Berets came out and they're everyone's searching for the boy and at one point they think that they found a um, a shoe that might have belonged to Dennis, but the parents said that that's the wrong size, and because there were so many Boy Scouts, it might have just been a shoe that belonged to the Boy Scouts. And this whole search and rescue thing was like a huge clusterfuck. Like, there were people who literally broke arms and stuff. Like, they fell off of ditches and whatever. They can't fucking find this kid. And so the body was never found, even though they put out this, like, $5,000 reward which I'm sending you guys a photo of. Uh, sure, I'll describe it. So Natalia has just okay. sent a quintessential reward flyer. Um, it is mm -hmm. a white flyer. There are black and white photos, three of them, of different angles of Dennis Martin. At the top, it says $5,000 reward for the information leading to the safe return of Dennis Lloyd Martin. This appeared on June 14, 1969 at Spence Field in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. After extensive search efforts, no trace has been found. Age 7, born June 20, 1962. Height, approximately 4 feet. Weight, approximately 55 pounds. Hair, dark brown and wavy. Eyes dark brown with long eyelashes. So the next photo that I just sent you is a photo of the Green Berets, like the army people who were sent in to look for Dennis. If you guys want to go ahead and describe that photo as well. Yeah. So this is a photo of, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's seven Green Berets. Um, they're all dressed in their Green Beret uniforms. They're all looking at, it looks like a map. Um, they have a bunch of gear with them. Looks like uh, they're standing in that meadow or near it. You can kind of see the clearing and then the trees in the background. Lovely. So that is the official story that's available to the world if you look up anything about the Dennis Martin case. And a lot of the stuff surrounding this case is talking about how it was basically 
a botched like search effort and that's why they never found him was because they sent out all these inexperienced volunteers and people who essentially just covered up his tracks or got confused and just made the problem so much worse and that's kind of what the national park cites as like the reason for never finding any clues because they should have been able to at least find like if they couldn't find his body they should be able to find tracks or something right Mm -hmm. because he was like right there at the meadow but they couldn't find anything and they they say it's because this um search effort it became like the example of what not to do when searching for somebody Mm -hmm. but is that the full story some people think not so there's this interview about the dennis martin case between these two guys George Knapp and David Politis, like Alyssa was talking about, that I listened to. So we know who David Politis is, but I'll I'll go over it anyways. George Knapp is this journalist who's been studying this case extensively. He's also an American television investigative journalist, a news anchor, and a talk radio host who has been recognized with Edward R. Murrow Awards, Peabody Awards, and dozens of Pacific Southwest Regional Emmy Awards, and Knapp actually became known nationally in the late 1980s by reporting the story of Bob Lazar, who we talked about in Mm -hmm. our Area 51 episode, and Bob Lazar claimed to have worked on extraterrestrial UFOs in Area 51, and George Knapp exposed his story, so my point is basically we could trust George Knapp, okay, (laughs) and then... David Politis is a former police officer who served for 20 years before getting into the tech industry and then finally became an investigative journalist. About 10 years ago, a National Park Ranger gave Politis an inside tip about some strange missing person cases in the national parks, including the Dennis Martin case. And Politis began amassing this giant database of these missing person cases. And then he whittled all of those cases down to only the cases which had mysterious circumstances, meaning that he ruled out things like people falling off cliffs or dying or getting eaten by animals. And he was left with this very peculiar set of cases that just raise more questions than they had answers for. And so he goes on to write this book called The Missing 411, which is also a documentary. And it chronicles these mysterious missing person cases in national parks. And it suggests supernatural causes for the disappearances like Bigfoot or portals or other supernatural phenomena and also maybe wild men or feral people. So basically, we can also trust him, too. And David Politis. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll collect your thoughts for a second, guys, before I get into the next part of this story. Do you guys, like, have any baggage you need to unload before we go to the next level of this conspiracy? This all sounds completely plausible to me still. Yeah. Well, uh, so there's a lot of things that you said along the way, but I'll, I'll only hit on the last one, which was you just said supernatural things such as portals what else did you say portals bigfoot portals any of these things right well in his documentary or in his book the missing 411 he talks about mysterious circumstances and then he comes up with a bunch of theories and he's like maybe it's these feral people in these parks taking people maybe it's bigfoot or sasquatch and maybe it's portals because he's going by kind of like the local legends and Mm -hmm. lore because he's an investigative journalist so he like interviews people from this area and they're like hey this is what i think happened and here's like we have this tradition in my family of like this verbal tradition saying that there's like portals or there's Sasquatch or there's Bigfoot. So he also puts in th- those in there. But in this particular case, the Dennis Martin case, 
he leaves it up to the listener or the viewer to kind of like come up with what we think happened. But as you will see, there's a lot of evidence, like oddly enough, that points towards the wild men or feral okay. people. This was, and this is back in ni- 19, 1969 is, is when this actually 1969. Is when this, is when this happened. Okay. Yes. Um, all right. Yeah. No, I'm with yes. you. Okay. Cool. So <laughs> I mean, I, I look, there's, I gotta, I gotta ask a few questions here and there. Right. I mean, like, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, of course. I'm no, only, we, we by the way, like that, I'm only please. kind of like I'm playing devil's advocate. I don't need to argue with you or anything. Like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So don't think that I'm like out here yeah. to argue. It's, this is more of like I I liked these these sorts of stories are fun because there are no sources, so nobody right. has any actual evidence to say like because I mean we we probably would have found a bunch of different bones of family members or like maybe a, a very large mm-hmm. burial site. Of of like people that have died out in those wilderness uh, those wildernesses that were right. that were feral people, um, but we haven't found right. Them. So I I don't know I don't know. Well, we're coming we're coming up on oh, some okay. of that right, right. evidence Great. Great. right now. Yeah, and and honestly, you asking questions like this is like helpful okay, because right. these are the questions that I think people who are like should have right. You hear something outrageous, you should be critically thinking like, well, what if it's this? What if it's that? And not just blindly go into it. But what we like to do here on the podcast is le- like hear those skeptical sides mm-hmm. of things and then find evidence that makes you think well that doesn't exactly explain like there's still questions up in the air right we go down the rabbit hole every episode if there are two if somebody dies and the two theories are they died because they were old or a siren pulled them down into the ocean (laughs) i am always going to lean into the siren pulled them down into the ocean because i just think it's more fun it is way more fun it's way more fun yeah (laughs) But you're going to, this is weird, weird. Okay, so David Politis, he looks into this Dennis Martin case and he researches it extensively and he finds a missing part of the story. So apparently while Dennis was playing this game of hide and seek, there was this other family, the Key family, who was in the park and they were 2,000 feet below the location that Dennis was playing hide and seek in the park at this creek called Rowan's Creek. And the Key family asks a ranger where a good place to see bears would be. So the ranger tells them that if they just walk up Rowan's Creek about a mile or a mile and a half, they're going to see some wildlife. So the Key family starts walking up this creek and then they report hearing this horrifying scream, a scream louder than anything that they could ever imagine, like blood curdling scream. And at the same time, the son says to their dad, hey, dad, look, there's a bear running up there in the bushes up on the hill. And the dad looks at the bear, his son's pointing out, and he notices something funny. It's not a bear running on the hillside. No, it is a man, and he appears to be hiding from the key family in the bushes. And he appears to have something across his shoulders, like he might have been carrying a small mass slung over the top of his shoulders. It could have been a sweatshirt. It could be a backpack. It could be anything because it's a national park, right? But he was definitely hiding from the Key family. So the Key family thinks like, this is odd. There's a man that would just screamed and is hiding from us. But who knows? It's a national park. What if this was just a dude like trying to take a shit behind a bush <laughs> and then he's like startled by an entire fucking family looking at him, right? Yeah. So they're, they're kind of like, being respectful and they just leave the area now 
they go on with their lives. But the next day, the Key family sees the missing person case in the news about Dennis Martin. And then they realize, well, maybe this person that we saw hiding in the bushes has something to do with it. So they realize that the their sighting went down either simultaneously as Dennis went missing or like just after it, like an hour or so after. But it was during the same time frame. So they think this is significant information. So the father sees that there's this FBI agent attached to the Dennis Martin case and he contacts the FBI agent and he tells him exactly what his family saw. And he's like, I'll meet you in the park at the location and tell you exactly where I saw this man hiding. The FBI agent is like, no, don't meet us in the park. Myself and a park ranger will meet you outside the park at a different location and you can tell us your story. So isn't that kind of weird? Like if you were investigating a missing person's case and you had a lead of someone saying that they heard screaming and saw a man hiding with something over his shoulders near the location where a little boy went missing. Wouldn't you want to go to the exact area where that person was from that saw that and like look for tracks or get more information? Yeah, I and I would also say that, I mean, of course, we have no investigative experience. So maybe it was some sort of protocol that he didn't want to bring the witness into the park. But my problem with this is your average person is not going to be able to point out on a map to you, hey, this is exactly where I was when I saw this weird thing. They're going to mm-hmm. have to walk through the place, recognize landmarks, and then be able to say, this mm-hmm. is where I saw this crazy looking dude who looked super disheveled, was carrying something over his shoulders, and that object appeared to be screaming in a super high-pitched blood-curdling scream. And it was in the same time frame as this kid went missing in in roughly the same location. I mean, to me, I would want that person to come and point out to me physically where that was to confirm, was it really in the same area or is this dude just full of shit? Hmm. Especially since they had so many volunteers, like hundreds of people already looking for Dennis. So it wasn't like they didn't want to add extra people to the case. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason that Politis says that they didn't want to go into the park and see where this like instance with the Key family went down is because the FBI and the park rangers had an agreement with Dennis Martin's father that they would tell him everything about the case. So... Dennis Martin's father never left the park for two months after his son went missing. He was like so involved in all this, obviously, because he wants to find his son. So he's in everyone's business. He knows like everything that's going on. He's talking to the, the army guys. He's talking to the Boy Scouts. He's talking to the park rangers and he becomes friends with everyone. So he should know everything that's going on. Now, three days after the Key family meets with the FBI and the park ranger outside of the park and they tell them about seeing the strange man, a news reporter hears about this confession through the grapevine. And so they go and track down the Key family and they get an interview with the Key family and get the same information. And the Key family confirms like, yes, they met with the FBI and park rangers and they saw a man hiding and they basically just tell him verbatim what happened. So then the press reporter contacts Mr. Martin to get a comment on this. He's like, this is new information. I want to hear what Mr. Martin has to say about it, right? And Mr. Martin is like, what the fuck? Why did the FBI and the park rangers not tell me about this key family coming forward and having information about a man who was hiding with a mass on his shoulders 2,000 feet away from where my son went missing in the same hour of time that he went missing? 
and the FBI and the park rangers were like, well, we didn't tell you because it wasn't relevant because they said that it would have been impossible for someone to make it where the key family supposedly saw this man hiding to where Dennis went missing from in the time frame that would pin the hiding man as like a possible suspect. So Mr. Martin looks at the location on a map where this key family incident happens and he's like, I could I could make that in the time allotted. And at the time, he's standing right next to this head park tracker named Dwight McCarter, who is the head tracker for the entire park and has been leading the investigation for this case, tracking for this case. And he says, like, yeah, we could definitely make the distance in the time frame. And so they literally do it. Mr. Martin and Dwight, this tracker, they walk the distance in the time frame, proving that it could be done, proving that this man was like hiding. He could be a lead and he could be in the case right and so they in an interview for politis dwight says that the whole time he knew the fbi was lying when they said it was possible so they're they're like it's like some sort of cover-up and i sent you guys a photo of um the map and it has rowan's creek circled where the family was hiking right next to spence field if you guys want to like look at that um you can and describe it you can see that these things are right next to each other it would not be hard at all to cover that distance in an hour yeah it, it depends so i'm looking at a map which shows like spence field on the right a little east of rowan's creek and then um it's uh it's there's a line that's drawn from spence field to rowan's creek I, but i don't know what the scale of the map is so i'm not sure how 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 far the distance is whether or not it's like one mile or five miles or ten you know who knows i think it's about two two a little over two miles okay um yeah i mean like if if the scale there is two miles then it's then that's a that you could probably if there's a if somebody's running that you could cover it in 25 minutes probably right yeah so they they covered it in way less than an hour so like the question now becomes why are the why are they lying like why was the fbi saying um in the park rangers so adamant to not involve this new key family story in the case because to me it seems like a very obvious lead so are you guys do you guys have any other baggage you want to unpack before we go to the next level there's another level to this (laughs) oh yeah well i was just gonna say even even if you don't think that the man had the small boy slung over his shoulders like if that part is too outlandish even if you're like a policeman or an fbi agent at the very least you'd want to interview this dude to see if he saw anything right or he heard anything like i don't know mm-hmm. why you just wouldn't even talk to this family that saw it. the man yeah there's yeah. like the the one side of me that's like well maybe they um like these park disappearances don't get as much attention because they're kind of just like oh they just wandered off and died of like exposure and animal got them or whatever. But then there's also the other side of me that's like, but what about that creepy man? Though? Why <laughs> yes. would try to find right. the man? Well, to keep in mind that while this is all going on, like the key family is being uh, interviewed and uh, this whole story is happening. They're still searching for Dennis in the park. They searched for like over two months looking for him. So it's not like they're just, oh, case closed. If they really thought, oh, well, he probably just wandered off and died, then they're they're just still doing all of this, like, search, trying to find a body for him, and it's all a, a sham. Now, to make things even weirder, during this time, like I said before, there were a few helicopters full of men from the Army, 
that were flown in to look for Dennis. And they're like really suspicious according to people who were onlookers. So the army doesn't want to work with anyone. They're not listening to the tracker. They won't listen to the FBI and they won't listen to any of the volunteers. They're like, we're doing our own thing. We're doing our own investigation. They set up their own telecommunication tent and they tell everyone to just keep away from them that they're on their own. They don't want any help. And they're there for a week and nobody knows what the fuck they were doing or what they were looking for. They wouldn't share any information with anybody. And Politis, who um, is researching this case in present time, files a Freedom of Information Act to find out more on what they found. And so by now it should all be out in the open. And he hasn't gotten anything back there. They just had nothing there to report. So that's really weird. There should be some files about this. Um, And so people think like maybe... (laughs) Maybe the army was there doing something that was unrelated to finding Dennis Martin's body. Maybe they were searching for something else entirely. We don't know. Like what? Exactly. Well, wait, what were they searching for? Exactly. What Bruce. could they have possibly been searching exactly, for? Exactly, Bruce. Exactly. No, no, no. What you were keep, they you, searching you're not answering for. the That's question. Exactly. I, keep, I ask you guys <laughs> a question. You keep saying exactly. What were they actually okay. searching for? Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a guess. I'm going to take a guess. I would say that if I'm going to dive face first into this conspiracy theory, I, as someone who used to be super into true crime, is not very into it anymore, there are a lot of murders that occur on the Appalachian trails. And I don't know much about this particular Mm -hmm. park that we're talking about, but I'm just going to talk about the Appalachian trails. There have been a lot of people found murdered, and there have even been... like murderers that were on the run that were discovered camping out in the trails and having to send people to go find them so Mm -hmm. i'm kind of wondering this is 1969 i'm thinking maybe it's some sort of unabomber situation if we want to be skeptical Mm -hmm. about like feral people why couldn't it just be some dude living in the forest like the unabomber was for example who is just like doing things that make no sense i don't know yeah yeah that's, that's true that's yeah partially why this is like so plausible to me is specifically because this is like about the Appalachian area because that is a super rough wild like unstudied and largely like unknown part of America so it would totally makes sense to me if there are genuinely like people feral or not that do live out in the woods and you know are there because they're unscrupulous or like they're homeless or they're criminals running away you know like you, you wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. be able to know because there is a lot of like land out there and you know so yeah i, I don't know and it like an average person exactly. like me i'm not gonna be able to hike the appalachian trail it's just not possible so yeah. <laughs> if i were stupid enough to be like oh i'm just gonna go do this hike and find myself uh and then i end up getting murdered by someone who lives in that area knows it like the back of their hand I mean, to me, that's plausible just based on the amount of true crime I've consumed about people that have been murdered on those types of trails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> all right, here, all right. I think I figured. Well, you, it out. You, I, you want me to? I think I've solved this mystery. You want me to tell you what I think? Tell me what you tell me what you think, and then I'll give you another. Mystery oh, great. Piece. Okay. All right. So the so I think I've solved. So back in 1969, I absolutely think it is plausible that there could have been. Uh, an inbred family out there or like you said, a murderer or a homeless person or whatever that's just out there doing whatever the fuck they want. Um, yeah. A hundred percent in 1969, p- 
people didn't have cameras on their, you know, they didn't have phones, they didn't have that shit. So for sure, uh, somebody could have gotten, if, if the kid wasn't taken by a bear, um, this, he for sure could have been taken by some crazy homeless person or whatever. Uh, that said, I don't necessarily think that feral people have been living in the forest for a hundred years and continue to live there. I think as time has gone on, they may have been pushed further and further uh, into the forest or just, or, or just died out. Um, so I don't know if that necessarily is happening now. Back then, I, right. yeah, I tend to, I'll, you know no, what? That's, I'll that's that. a good point. That's a good yeah. point, Bruce. Yeah. Because if it's just yeah, a, a, really a small point. little family living in the Appalachian Trail, murdering folks and eating them, you know, <laughs> they, they can't really, they can only populate so much before their offspring is going to, like you said, Bruce, be so weak and have yeah, so many physical ailments that they're not going to be able to carry on that tradition of catching kids and eating them. So that's a good point. <laughs> All right. All right, Nat. Tell us, tell us the rest. Here's the missing piece. So the weirdest part, in my opinion, of this whole story is that years go by. This case is closed or well, the case is still open because they never find him, but they just stop looking for Dennis Martin's body and Dennis's family moves on. Now, David Politis has been researching this case along with a bunch of other cases for his documentary book, The uh, Missing 411. So he finds Dennis Martin's dad. He goes to his house and he just knocks on the door and um, he's like just cold knocks. He's like, hey, I want to talk to you about the Dennis Martin case about your missing son. I think I have some information that um, you don't know yet. And the dad is like, and the wife are like, we don't want to talk about this. This ruined our life. Um, We've, you know, made vows never to talk about this. And David Politis is like, look, I know more about this case than probably anyone you've talked to before. And I want to share information with you. And so that he gets to talking with Dennis Martin's dad and gains his trust. And, um, Dennis Martin's dad tells him, you want to know something really weird? Do you know the FBI agent who was monitoring Dennis Martin's case and all of the other missing persons cases in the park? And David Politis is like, yeah, and he even names the guy by name. And he's like, well, he died recently. And David Politis is like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And Dennis's dad's like, but he committed suicide. And Dennis's dad believes that perhaps he was hiding something or this was part of a government co- mm. uh, cover up and David Politis checks and yes it's true the FBI agent who was monitoring the case and the other missing cases uh, missing persons cases did commit suicide and then additionally weirdest thing ever is that in the actual Dennis Martin case that the FBI has like put out with their um, unclassified documents there is no mention of the key family sighting. It's not even in there. The only reason that survives to this day is because of like a verbal tradition of it having happened and those people having uh, the key family having given those interviews to local news sources, but it's not even in the case. So Politis thinks that he smells something really fishy here. And so he interviews Dwight, that tracker that was the park tracker for like his whole career. And he asks, what do you think is going on? Like, you've been working here for a long time. You know the park better than anyone else. What do you think like happened to Dennis Martin? And the tracker says that he thinks that Dennis was abducted, not lost. And Politis asks him, like, what do you mean abducted? And the tracker is like well how could the little boy 
in the key family mistake a bear for a man. That part doesn't add up, right? And the tracker says that the entire park has wild men living in the park. And these are people who are have been living off the grid and they wear animal pelts in the woods and the park literally can't control them. And two years before Dennis went missing, a park ranger was attacked by one of these wild men who was armed. So he nearly killed the park ranger. And Dwight says that openly, just says that he thinks one of these wild men took Dennis. So now, next level, Politis hears this and he's like, oh, holy shit, I have a story here, right? The National Park Service is covering up Dennis Martin's abduction, but why? So Politis holds a press conference and gets all these major networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, to ask all these questions. They all show up. They have this big press meeting and Politis answers all of them with facts. He's like ready to go. He's got photos. He's got interviews. He's got all of the data backed up and just knocks it out of the park in these interviews. And at the end of the press conference, one person from one of the stations stays behind and he tells Politis, hey, this story is never going to make it to the news. And Pilatus is like, what are you talking about? Why? I just like slayed this whole press <laughs> conference. Everyone's super impressed. This is a crazy story. This 100% is going to be on the news and be aired. People need to know this. And the reporter says that it's not going to make it out to the public because the park just means too much to the local community. The park provides $800 million in revenue per year to the local area, and they just don't want bad press about wild men living in the park who abduct children. What do you guys think about that? I feel like this is the smoking gun. <laughs> this is the proof we've been waiting you, for. I don't, hear, I don't hear what Autumn Autumn has to say. I'm just like enthralled. Like I love this shit, first of all, but also like it all to me again. I know I keep saying it, but it all sounds like things that could have genuinely happened. Like I don't see why not. We're kind of looking at the Wikipedia page for the, uh, this disappearance of Dennis Martin right now too, and I. It says um, that they thought that man might have been a moonshiner. That's which right. Is interesting. And, and, and they said that they also mm-hmm. said key. So key cited the man, uh, like the crazy wild man, apparently got into a white car. So oh yeah, I saw so that. There's, that. So there's yeah. So I yeah. left that I left that out because um, I I just didn't want to like have too much uh-huh. evidence because we only have like an hour totally of valid. time. So I just totally like valid. picked the most interesting. But yes, you're right. So uh, they saw a man get into a white car a little later time and like take off in gravel. So maybe maybe not air, totally air, a wild right? man because he has a car. So maybe just right. well, some crazy person. But there are people who live in their cars, and I'm not going to call them wild men, but to me, that's being wild. I would never live in my car um, unless I really needed to, you know? Uh, the weird yeah. thing, though, for sure, is just the la- the lack of, like, care. I mean, obviously, like, for whatever reason, it was not investigated properly. And that's the weird thing where it's like, why? Was it just that at that time... They weren't investigating like park disappearances super seriously. But then you also have the army thing where they came and like did weird shit for a week and no one knows what that is and they don't have any documents or anything about what they were doing there. Right. That is weird. That is really strange. I, I'll go back to the David Politis stuff too, like where you're like, he went out and <laughs> did this press conference and he slayed it. And he's like, I don't understand. I slayed it. Yeah. But uh, I would love to yeah. see it. I would actually love to see the press conference <laughs> to find out no, if he actually guys- slayed it. 
you guys need to look up David Politis once this episode is over because when you're first hearing about this missing 411 stuff, it sounds really hokey, but what he actually did was pretty incredible and most people kind of revere him as as like this awesome person because he what he did was he realized which a lot of people didn't realize this at the time there is no database for people who go missing in national parks in the United States hmm. where yeah. you, you know we think of things like okay if somebody goes missing in um Los Angeles well then you report it to the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department or the Los hmm. Angeles Police if somebody goes missing in a national park, there is no designated person that you report that it's to. It's unorganized. It's super unorganized. Right. And so because of that, a lot of people go missing and then the park rangers will just be like, well, I don't know, maybe it was like a bear or they fell off a cliff. And so David Politis took like went out and like interviewed people and figured out the names of as many people as he could that had gone missing in national parks and created the first database. Which is pretty mm -hmm. cool because I think everyone deserves to be looked for, right? At the very least. If I went right. missing in a national park, I would want people to look for me. And so then he took all of that and, like Natalia said, distilled it down to the, like, the ones that seemed the most mysterious. Because for some people, you really could say, okay, they found like his shoe and it was bloody. And then his shirt was torn and found. So even though they didn't find the body, it was probably a bear. But then there are these other ones like this Dennis Martin case that have these weird anomalies. Like somebody saw someone, you know, physically remove the person from mm -hmm. the park. And so he highlights those cases in Missing 411. But it's it's just super fascinating to me. I definitely think David Politis deserves his own episode. <laughs> Interestingly enough, Dennis is not the only person to disappear mysteriously from this park or in any national park. As you guys know, or maybe you don't know, so I'm going to tell you, the National Park Service was established in 1916. And since then, more than a thousand visitors have disappeared while visiting a national park, often without a trace. And like Alyssa said, because there's no federal level database, tracking how many people have actually gone missing from these federal lands is really difficult to pin down to like an exact number of people who are missing. And there are still hundreds of cases like Dennis Martin's where people disappear unexpectedly. And in some cases, they're even found to be murdered by random people hiding in the forest, like the story of the Cowden family. Have you guys heard of the Cowden mm -mm. family? Mm -mm. No. So I'm going to tell you really quickly. Um, the Cowden family was reported missing in 1974, and police did find their bodies. They had gone camping in the Siskiyou Mountains in Applegate, Oregon, over Labor Day weekend in 1974, but then they didn't show up for dinner at the mother's house on September 1st, so they started looking for them. And media accounts at the time described their campsite as undisturbed, as if the family just left abruptly, and investigators later postulated that they had actually been abducted. And then their bodies were discovered in April of 1975, about 100 feet from the campsite. And Richard's body was found tied to a tree while the bodies of his wife and two small children were found in a nearby cave with rocks sealing up the entrance. And this guy named Dwayne Lee Little, who was a convicted rapist and a serial killer who's serving two life sentences, allegedly confessed to a fellow inmate that he had murdered the Cowdens while he was on parole. Hmm. But there was never a conviction and the case remains open. So to summarize what we have learned today, 
Some people think that there are feral people living in national parks who eat people. Some people think that these feral people are wild men who wear animal pelts and abduct you. And there's been proof of just crazy murderers living in the forest for no reason, just uh, like abducting and killing people. So now we've got that (laughs) under our belt. If you guys have anything to unpack, there's like five minutes left before we go to the to the let's get haunted level. Let's do it. Wait, what's the let's get haunted yeah, level? I know. Yeah, let's go to it. Let me send you guys some stuff so you guys can go to the let's get haunted level. <laughs> Should I be scared or excited? Um, depends. Do you, well, you said before, you know what a skinwalker is, correct? Yeah, I'm also like super into these rabbit holes. Like Bruce knows, he'll watch me find a topic usually on Reddit or online somewhere. And just like it becomes my only thing that I think about for like a month. I love that. So, you guys, we briefly talked about this at the beginning of the episode, but do you know what a skinwalker is? The crazy wild man? <laughs> I'm going to Google it right now because I don't know. But I know knows. because I'm from the desert and also from Res like, yes. lands. And these are like really huge Navajo yes. stories. So, I sent you guys a photo if someone wants to go ahead and describe that photo. And if you don't, I'll describe it. It's fine. Okay, so the photo depicts two humanoid images. The one on the left is looks to be like a human standing on two legs. It has what looks like a pelt or some kind of animal skin draped over its body. Um, and then to the right of it, it is a more of a werewolf-looking thing. It looks like the person maybe has transformed. The pelt has come over its body. Uh, the eyes of what looks like a wolf or some kind of fox are like lit up. Right. It's very werewolf-esque to me. Yeah, so this is an artist's rendition of what a skinwalker is. And skinwalkers are actually known as witches in Navajo culture that used to be humans. Here's some creepy facts about skinwalkers. They literally want your skin, specifically your face. In some traditions, it's suggested that the skinwalkers steal your face and wear it as their own, but it's kind of a loose translation that could mean maybe they just shapeshift into someone who looks like you, and they can transform into any kind of animal. So if you look a skinwalker in the eyes they absorb themselves into your body and they control your every move so you basically become possessed by this like spirit and you become this bad like witch is the um loose translation of it but it's hard for us to know 100 percent about this because the navajo tribe is like notorious for not talking about skinwalkers to outsiders it's sacred to them so they're they're frightened of supernatural repercussions if there's too much discussion and the reason that I know about them is because people were talking about it in our Discord. So <laughs> I kind of learned about this. And skinwalkers are seen most frequently as, like, depicted as, like you said, coyotes, wolves, foxes, eagles, owls, or crows. And they can run far greater distances than normal people. They're actually said to be able to run for over 200 miles at a time. And one of the ritual acts to become a skinwalker involves killing and then eating someone close to them. And what I was learning in the Discord is that by performing an act of cannibalism, you become a skinwalker. You lose all of your humanity and become a skinwalker. And once you're a skinwalker, you can't undo it. 
And um, if you wanted to kill a skinwalker, the only way to do it, apparently, is to call them by their true pre-skinwalker name. So that Hmm. is interesting because we have Dwight, this tracker, who was saying there's men who live in the park that wear wild pelts on them and they can't be controlled. And then if they could run like super far really quickly to get from where the keys saw this man wearing something on his back that looked sort of like a bear but was a person and could get to that area where Dennis was I mean that I mean it could be a skinwalker I don't know I'm not saying it's not we're not ruling it out I have a feeling that a 45 magnum would probably kill a skinwalker if uh, you shot it enough. (laughs) I I think you're Um. getting into character for that guy that you read who unread it that's why I gave Bruce that guy that said he was going to show yeah. up with that crazy Bruce gun. Is so that guy. Well, no, so so well. Here's, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you actually what I think. So, uh, I've always thought this about this kind of stuff because these are these are interesting legends yep. that I don't necessarily discount. I don't. I don't necessarily think because I think that there are probably like perversions of what actually happened where somebody who knows became possessed by something and then mm-hmm. just absolutely started eating people or whatever. Right. I think that stuff exists. Um, but if, for example, an actual skinwalker exists, you know what that means? What? That means that whatever the evil, the evil that has per- like uh, pervaded the skinwalker, that means that there's some good force that mm-hmm. can then pervade somebody else to go against the skinwalker. Right. And so for me, if I've ever discovered a skinwalker, then that means at some point I'm going to have some, some some sort of super fucking cool <laughs> powers that are going to hit me to fight the skinwalker if a skinwalker exists. Wow. And that's, that's what I've always thought. That's really interesting, actually, because I was going to say, so I come from a Latino culture, which is very heavily pervaded by this like tradition of like stories and legends and particularly skinwalkers are really interesting to me because um so mexicans are you know we come from like old mexica people before we were invaded by spain and then you know we we became mexicans because they conquered the aztecs Mm -hmm. and etc etc but there's this old saying that's basically like it talks about how you know who you are from your heart and your face so like the idea of someone stealing your face is like a very interesting concept of someone is like Mm. pervading your soul and i know for um like traditional medicine people it's it was very much about learning both the good sides of like traditional healing and then also you have to learn the dark sides of traditional healing and so like kind of like what you're saying there's always these there's always there's both sides right there's always both sides it's always like the pull between both things i think that's I don't know. These things are always really interesting to me because it's always rooted in these old verbal stories that got passed down and like turned into cool legends. Yeah, I mean, because like uh, that's usually what I don't know. For me, these these sorts of things, they don't they're not out of the realm of possibility. I think that there could have been, you know, one or two people that uh, fucking who knows, did too many drugs Mm -hmm. or and I'm not talking about like, you know, ecstasy. I'm talking about like the shit that you do out in the desert and you just you just did it too much. And just fried they your brain. They kill, yeah. Yeah. They killed somebody. And, they, and, and, and then they lived out in the forest uh, outside of this tribe. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, you know, they're no longer part of the tribe anymore. What do we call them? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Skinwalkers. So this, these things never sound out of the realm of possibility. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting, too, with all folklore to sort of imagine that it came from some sort of phenomenon that people were trying to digest in into something that they could easily understand. Like we we have so many different kinds of cryptids. And when you look at the areas that these cryptids come from, they often are modeled after an animal or something that happens to the people there through through whatever, you know, like we talked about a cryptid that was a giant catfish whiz- wizard mm-hmm. before. Um, and the interestingly came from this area in Georgia where there are these like giant, like 15 foot long catfish that have been reported to eat like children and can like swallow mm-hmm. chickens whole. So I think that if we obviously take everything with a grain of salt, we can like like to find out why this folklore exists like there wouldn't be this story of skinwalkers or wild men or bigfoots or or portals or you know any of these uh, like outlandish supernatural things if there wasn't a need for an answer to a problem that no one was able to 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 solve if that makes sense Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah absolutely yeah absolutely so I'm interested to know what you guys think happened to Dennis. Do you think, or or you can also just say, you know, I don't know, uncle, I don't know. <laughs> hmm. I think that he was probably abducted by some weird dude living out there in the Appalachians. And who knows if he was like, some weird criminal on the run or like a moonshiner like they're saying like i think that's totally plausible that like he was abducted by some weirdo fucking guy was he a feral person i don't know that for a fact i forgot to add one thing when i was researching this story i found it really weird that the other family that came out of nowhere to play with them was also the martin family to me it kind of seemed like maybe they could have been some sort of distraction or something Hmm. to abduct the child right like they come up and they're like hey like let's have our kids play uh, hide and seek together and maybe they wanted to abduct Yeah, could have been in on it yeah maybe they wanted to abduct the child and then have the parents follow them and then like mug the parents or something like that or they had like they were going to use this child as bait and it just didn't work out because it started raining or something went south i don't know but to me that's like a really weird part of the story because what are the odds of meeting another family with the same last name as you you know it seems like something Mm -hmm. you would do to like gain someone's trust but sorry to interrupt continue bruce what do you think no no nat that's actually uh you kind of swayed me on that one because that sounds really plausible yeah that there's like a there was another family out there that basically they came in like oh we're we're martins too and they were they wanted to either kidnap a kid and ransom them Mm -hmm. or um kidnap a kid and then ransom them for like their shit or whatever, and then it sounds like maybe that kidnapping went wrong. Mm-hmm. Like somebody tripped and fell with the kid and really hurt him or killed him mm-hmm. or whatever. And then it was just sort of like, you know, well, that was it. Because I was thinking about it was like, oh, maybe it was a bear. And right. usually, unless being eaten whole, you scream. Like there's some sort of painful scream that you hear from a you know child or whatever. Yeah. If the if the kid gets grabbed by a bear. But if a kid gets grabbed by a person, then they will cover their face, right? Mm-hmm. And then they, you won't you won't hear anything. So that that getting grabbed by a person seems a little more plausible, especially what about what you just said too. I kind of like your theory. Yeah, I mean, I I it's just another another mystery, another piece of the puzzle. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not saying it wasn't my, wild men, but I 
like it could be that these wild men are actually a lot smarter than we think they are you know maybe they wear normal clothes maybe they're like modern kidnapper fucking weirdos i don't know yeah Yeah. Yeah. Alyssa, what are your thoughts yeah i i definitely think that dennis was kidnapped what happened after that i'm not sure and as far as what I think about cannibals living in national parks, I I think it's possible. Um, but I, I don't know that I would say like 100% my heart is in that theory. But I do definitely think that there are people who are murderers that say to themselves, hey, where can I get away with murder? Oh, I know, a national park because there's no federal database. There's so many places to hide. There's mm-hmm. so much land that you just can't realistically cover in a search party. And so I definitely I definitely think that there are people who are murderers just living in remote parts of the U.S. getting away with murder because of, I don't know, because of where they're living, because of where they're doing it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm going to go ahead and read my sources and then we'll get you guys to sign off. So for this episode, I read an article on the NYPost.com called The Six Eeriest Deaths and Disappearances in the America's National Parks, and as, as well as the YouTube video that we cited earlier from the soft white underbelly, I believe. Um, the Focus.News and Wikipedia, of course, who is now our friend and not our foe. <laughs> YourCentralValley.com slash... Um, the mystery wire slash the missing 411 as well as the mystery wire website in its totality and then also the lineup.com slash 14 facts about skinwalkers that will freak you out so (laughs) and another youtube video that was featuring david politis and george knapp giving an interview for the missing 411 as well as the missing 411 documentary and book So on our podcast, we like to do a sign off where we say BRB gotta go and then we do a callback to the episode. So it could be like BRB, you know, gotta go, uh, gotta go catch a skinwalker or whatever you want. Would you guys both like to give one and you can give several and then I'll just have them back to back. BRB gotta go manifest really cool powers (laughs) against evil. Hell yeah. (laughs) No guns. No, no, no guns. These are like, we're talking magic here. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like that. I'm here for that. BRB, gotta go cover up a bunch of weird murders in the United States park system because I'm the government and you can never, ever trust me. Uh, Bye. 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 Autumn get this.